Hello, and welcome to the second of our Winter's Tales here on Aran Sound. If you were listening last time to our rather eerie Halloween tale of the White Stag, you'll know what we're up to here. Yours truly, Marty Ross, as your resident Aran storyteller, telling you a tale impromptu, semi-improvised and, well, more or less off the top of my head in the grand old unplugged manner of a classical yarn spinning by the winter fireside. That said, let's um, leap straight into tonight's tale. Well, this one is so chock full of uh, instant and drama and magic and romance and uh, creepy bits that, well, for the sake of your uh, tender attention spans, I'm going to split it into two episodes. In other words, I'll slowly, steadily build up the narrative tension, get to a really, really exciting, dramatic bit, and then... Well, frankly, keep you waiting till next week for the rest of the story. It's called Suspense, and we storytellers do rather a lot of it. Uh, The story is called The Lost Bride and the Bogle's Bridge, and this is episode one. The Lost Bride. Our story starts many, many years ago on our beautiful island of Arran, and our hero is a young lad called Peter, working hard on his family's farm, working very, very, very hard indeed. Because the truth is, Peter's father had died when he was, well, barely 15, leaving Peter and his mother to look after their scraggy little small holding, their stubby little strip of ground and the the few cows that grazed it, well, more or less on their own. So anyway, one autumn day, young Peter was uh, steering the cows back towards the byre. Come on, come on, come on! When he caught a sound from just over a nearby bramble hedge. Uh, a sound of a raucous music scurling and, frankly, rather drunken uh, shouts and laughter and cries. Well, Peter knew what that was all about. Just the other side of that high hedge of bramble bushes lay the home of a much bigger and more important and, frankly, much, much richer farmer. Rich Farmer McMocket. The farmer, in fact, who owned the land that Peter and his mother worked so hard he was the landlord, in other words. They'd heard that this was the day Farmer McMocket was getting married to some, well, well, to hear Peter's mother talk about it. She was some chit of a gill, half his age, whose family had scraped out a living down by the coast at Kildonan. Peter and his mother, of course, as mere tenant farmers, had not been invited to the grand affair, but that was just as well, maybe. Farmer McMocket had a reputation for rather, rather raucous, drunken gatherings of the great and good, at which all kinds of things were broken, and all manner of oaths spoken. So anyway, young Peter was just finishing off with the cows. Come on, come on, when he heard a sharp rustle, rustle, rustle. A scritch, scratch, scrape, tear, rip, tear, scritch, scratch sound, accompanied by further ow, ee, ah, ooh, ah, ah, ah sounds, all coming from the tall, thick bramble bushes between their strip of that land and the grand farm of Farmer McMocket beyond, 
and as the rustlings rustle, 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 and the scritch scratch ripped here, oh, ouch, ouch, sounds grew louder. Peter stepped closer curiously and saw, well, a sight it was. Ow! Ow! Rip! Scratch! Tear! Rip! Scratch! Ow! Ow! Russell! 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 Rip! Scratch! Tear! Ow! Ow! It was a woman, a young and beautiful woman, in a white bridal gown. Its laces and folds all caught up, all snagged up and torn in the brambles. Her veil likewise snagged and been oh, oh, ah, being dragged aside to reveal to reveal her her rich dark hair. Ow! she cried. Ow! Quick, help me, help me get free. Ouch! Ow! 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 Ouch! Yeah! Ow! Ah! Ah! scratched here. Ow! Help me, someone! Someone, please help me! So of course, Peter raced across. And did his best to to unsnag her. Hold on, wait, let me just get hold of. I'll beat it at cost of many. Ow, 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 a jagging and a cutting to ow, ow, his own fingers. Russell, Russell, scratch, scratch, rip, tear, rip, tear, scratch, ow, But at last, he got her free, and she all but collapsed in his arms which was a wee bit awkward as she was frankly older and taller than he was. Oh, oh, but he helped her steady herself. Oh, oh, oh yes, yes. Offering to, to take her inside the farmhouse for a, a, a seat and some uh, food and drink. But she said, no, 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 I, I have to get away. Far away, far away and quick. You see this dress, this bridal gown, or, or anyway, the ripped remains of it. My name's Katrina, and I'm supposed to be getting married today to the to the farmer on the other side of that hedge. But I can't. I simply can't. Have you met him? Farmer McMocket, he's, he's what? What's that you say? He's, he's your landlord. Oh, then you'll know what an, an uncouth brute he is, however much money he might have. Drunk he is already as a fly in a distillery. Chortling to his chums about, oh dear me, the wild things he has in store for us. Heaven help me on our, on our, on our honeymoon. And have you seen the sight of him? Hair growing thick out of his nose and ears. Nose all red and swollen with a drink he consumes, barely like a beer barrel. And as for his armpits, well, frankly, between you and me, those armpits are no kind of charm pits. Uh, well, said Peter. If he strikes you like that, um, what might I ask? Are you, are you doing marrying him? Oh, it's not down to me, she said. I'm only a woman after all. Truth is, he caught sight of me down in the beach, helping my father with his nets and well. Made my parents an offer. A financial offer, you understand. You know, like I was a, like I was a, a sheep being sold at Cumnock Fair. And my folks, well, they're, they're poor as the crabs in the sand. With all that money and social advancement and offer, well, they can't see the great oath, the braggart, like I see him, and feel him, uh, and uh, smell him. And so today I had no choice but to seize my chance. While he was uh, getting drunk and more and more drunk downstairs with his cronies, I, I climbed out the window. Climbed down the ivy in the side of his grand farmhouse and, as you see, ran away. 
Tried to run away, get through those bushes before the, the minister could perform the ceremony. The ceremony that would, frankly, seal my fate. But still, still, I have to get away further than this. And please, you, you have to help me. Because, at that moment, a great bellowing shout sounded from the far side of the bushes. Where is she? My wife-to-be, that tasty wee bit of stuff. It was the unmistakable gruff cry of rich farmer MacMochet. <sighs> Run off, has she? Gone in a spree, and without her future wor husband's word of authority. Fetch the dogs, quick, 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 saddle them steeds. I paid good money for that wee bit of stuff, and I'm no for letting her get away. And already, Peter and Katrina could hear dogs being unleashed. Oh, 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 oh. horses winning, winning, ready to gallop. You must, you must quick, please help me get away, said Katrina. I can't marry a man, a, a monstrous man like that. A man who, frankly, happens to be my landlord, said Peter. Uh, maybe shouldn't he be getting on the wrong side of him. But Peter looked at her, and though he was still but a, a boy of fifteen, and she a, a young woman in the fullest blossom of her beauty, he knew at that moment he loved her as he would never love another. Well, that sort of thing happens in this sort of story. And so, yes, yes, he said. Come on, quick, we'll head up this way, up towards the glen. And he took her hand and laid her swiftly a ripped bustle on her bridal gown, wildly rustling, rustling, rustling out the back end of the farmyard and up, up, up into Glen Rosa. That long, narrow valley here in Arran, bounded by mountains, and with the Glen Rosa water roaring and tumbling through it. And they thought if they could just um, find a hiding place, where, 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 where to hide, where to hide, where, but there, not far behind. Oh, oh, you see them, see them anywhere there? The sounds of the rich farmer and his drunken cronies and their dogs and horses all starting up the glen. Oh, where is she? Where is she? Oh, here they come, said Katrina. They'll catch me, they'll catch me. Where can we hide, said Katrina? Oh, it's so, oh, oh, so wide open out here. Oh, wait, wait, said Peter. There must be somewhere there behind that rock. No, too small. Behind that bush, no, too scraggly behind, oh, where can, you're right, there's nowhere to, no, oh, wait, wait, there, 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 look, there, yes, there. And Peter was indicating a point where, in those days, the arch of an old, humpy-backed stone bridge crossed the swift-flowing waters of the river. Shadowy, very, very shadowy, underneath the stone arch it was. Quick, quick, he said, down here, yes, he said, down the bank, right to the, right to the edge of the water. Oh, oh, watch your feet, by the way. Oh, but wait, 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 said Katrina, I, I can't swim in a wedding dress. Besides that, that Glen Rosa water looks rough and it looks cold, but it, it doesn't look all that deep. No, 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 not in the water, that's not what I mean. I mean, just huddle here, under the bridge, under the arch of the bridge. Here against the shadowy, shadowy underside of the bridge. Here in this bank, press in close against the wall. Yes, yes, that's it. Here in the shadows. They won't see you down here. And I'll go up, up onto the track and I'll distract them while you hide. Oh, but the dogs, she said. The dogs, they'll, they'll sniff me out. What the... Oh, 
yes, um, yes, the the dogs. I uh, I didn't think of um. Wait, wait, look over there on the bank. It's uh, yuck, the skeleton of an old sheep. Let me just uh, run across and uh, uh, get a hold of a couple of these uh, uh, disgusting old b- b- bones. Meanwhile. Where is she? Where is she? Where is she? Here came that pack of bright hunters. The dogs came first. It was plain they had a scent. And they charged right up to Peter as he stepped onto the track. He backed away fearfully. Oh, a nice doggy, nice doggy. No, don't jump up. Don't bite. No, nice doggy. Here, here. Doggy wants a bone. Nice, nice, smelly. Yuck, smelly old bone. No, here. Catch, catch. There it goes, there it goes. There, there. Oh, oh, hurled one great meaty bone one way and then, oh, oh, you want to, the rest of you want this bone? Oh, yes, here it is, nice and smelly, nice and smelly old mutton bone. Oh, no, no, here, 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 go, go, go catch it. There it goes, over that way, fetch, fetch, fetch. Oh, and the second lot of dogs, loving the scent of rotting sheep. They charged after the other bone. In other words, the, the dog packet split into two, charged in two completely separate directions up either side of the glen. And as they charged off, ooh, ooh, you there, boy! <laughs> cried the rich farmer, reining his horse to a stop. You there, what are you doing distracting my dogs with a smell of mouldy mutton? My dogs has a wife to catch! Oh, uh, uh, sorry, sir, said Peter. I was just, um, fetching a couple of, uh, um, old bones for my, uh, for my mummy to, to, to boil up for, for, for broth, you know, as being, well, as you well know, so poor. And, and these dogs, well, they quite frightened me into accidentally, accidentally, of course, uh, losing my grip on both bones. One went that way. That went that way, and your your bones, your, your dogs, they, they followed in both directions. Never mind that, palaver said Farmer McMocket. Question is, have you seen my bride-to-be? Name of... Oh, hold on, I, I forget. I forget her name. I'm, well, after all, it wasn't her name. I was after dragging to my boudoir. But anyhow, anyhow, my bride-to-be has run off ahead of the ceremony. An account, it seems, of my poor standards of a personal behaviour and... <laughs> personal hygiene. As if yon was any concern of a future wife of mine. <sighs> Have you seen her, lad? Have you? Answer me. Peter, um, hesitated a second and then said, What? Senior, your bride-to-be? What is, what, what's that? She said, a ripped bridal gown. No, uh, a senior, senior, um, no. No, I haven't seen anyone. Anyone at all fitting um that description? No, no one at all. No! You sure about that, lad? And oh, fine, well, you're a tenant of mine after all. And if I found out you were lying to me, well, you might not be a tenant no longer. You are your mother. Matter of fact, I'm very well connected in this island of Aaron. You might find there's no place for you anywhere on this island. No door that would take you in. So I ask you again, for your own sake, have you seen my bride? Again, Peter hesitated. And as he 
hesitated. The image of Katrina, the woman he loved, floated between him and British farmer McMocket. And he said, uh, 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 No, no, like I told you a moment ago, I've not seen her. I don't believe you, gruffed the farmer. You there, lads, go check behind that rock. And you there, check behind yon heather bushes. And, yes, yes, you lads there, go down, check under the arch of that bridge. Yes, the shadowy arch of the bridge. There where that lad seemed so suspiciously to scramble up from. Take a look if she's hiding in them shadows down there at the edge of the water. Oh, no, no, uh, but as the farmer's rough-looking friend started scrambling down the bank, Peter found himself, no, no, trying to, to block their way, but, oh, oh, they pushed him aside, and they hurried on down under the bridge's shadowy arch. And, oh, said the rich farmer McMocket, standing over Peter, if you have got our head down there, head from me, oh, lad, you and your mammy, will be cast off this island afore the girls in my marriage bed. Just you, she's no down here, came a cry from below. What's that you say, said the farmer. There's no sign of nobody down under this bridge. What, you sure? No, nobody down here. Come, come, see for yourself. And sure enough, as both Farmer McMocket and Peter scrambled down the bank, there was no sign of anyone under the bridge. No Katrina, certainly. But where had she gone? Where had she gone, thought Peter. It was as if she'd just vanished. Yes, where had she gone? Could she possibly, possibly have uh, scrambled her way up, up and uh, out the other side of the arch while he and the farmer were talking? But no, no. She would surely have been seen up in the track by one and all, the bridge itself, the arch underneath, the shadows thereabouts, offering the only shelter from sight anywhere nearby. Disappointed, Farmer McMocket told his men to get, oh, get back in your horses, regather them dogs, get them away from them bones up there, come, he said. She must be somewhere further up the glen, wherever she's hiding, we will find her. But before he and the others rode off, he took a moment to glower again down at Peter. I still don't trust you, laddie. Whatever she's escaped to, I still reckon you helped her get there. That in mind, boy, I'm sticking to what I said before. Here and now, official and otherwise, I'm evicting you. Yes, I'm evicting you, laddie, evicting you and your mother from my land as of today. You're my tenants no longer, and I'll make sure... For I'm a well-connected man in this island, like I told you, there's no other place for you anywhere on Arran. In other words, laddie, you need to get down there, back to your cottage, pack your bags. Pack your bags and get out and start thinking about where you're going to grope and grovel for a living over there. And, well, that's where you'll have to go, over there on the mainland. And so it proved. By the end of the day... Bailiffs were at the door of Peter and his mother, officially evicting them. They tried to, 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 to beg to be allowed to stay there with bailiffs, showed them no mercy, practically tuffed them out then and there. They gave them a few moments to, to pack their bags. 
then they had to leave, had to leave their own precious, though however humble, home. Well, they they made their way on, they tried to find a place to stay in Brodick, in Lamlash, in Whiting Bay, but Farmer McMuckett was true to his word and he was a feared farmer. He put the word around that he would not be very friendly to anyone who helped out these two evictees. Nowhere would take them in. No shelter, no home, no nothing. So eventually, yes, Peter and his mother, they had no choice but to get on the boat and sail for the mainland and seek a new life there. As for Katrina, well, the curious thing is she was not found. Not that day or any other. It was as if, well, Peter pondered as he sailed out of Brodick Harbour, taking a last look at the island he loved so much. It was as if Katrina had vanished that day into thin air. Well, now, this is one of those parts in a story where the, the pages fly off the calendar where one calendar flies off the wall to be replaced by another and another and another. One of those parts in a story, in other words, where years go by in a single moment. Peter and his mother, yes, they settled on the mainland, uh, just outside Kilmarnock, as it turns out. Well, they could not afford a farm of their own. So Peter found work where he could get it, and the work he found was a worker's apprentice to a blacksmith. In due course... As he matured from a, a teenage boy to a full-grown man, he became a, a blacksmith in his own right. Plentiful was the need back in those horse-drawn days for freshly forged horse hooves, and so it was a, a decent enough living. In due course, alas, his poor mother died, and Peter kept cottage and forge all by himself. It was expected mature, full-grown man that he now was, he might find a sweetheart from among the local Kilmarnock girls and uh, marry her and uh, settle down. But this did not happen. No offence to the local girls of Kilmarnock, but the, the truth is he was continually, well, well, you might say he was haunted by the memory of a beautiful young woman in a bridal gown seen for no more than, well, an hour or so, on a day by this point many, many, many years before. No woman he met on the mainland could match Katrina for beauty, and so no woman on the mainland could replace her in his heart. Thus, Peter lived alone, all alone, until the age of, well, Many calendar pages and many calendars in total have fluttered off that wall by now, for you must picture a Peter no longer 15 years old, but all of, oh, can you picture it, 45 years of age. A rather melancholy, middle-aged fellow, who would often wander the mainland shores, looking across at the vast shadowy bulk of Arran on the horizon. Came a time he heard of Rich Farmer McMocket's death. Farmer McMocket had never got hold of his lost runaway bride. Had given up the search and had married some other woman and made that other woman's life a misery instead. Until, oh, one day she killed him with a deftly swung frying pan. And all agreed it was a good thing and more than overdue. So now his uh, arch enemy was gone. 
and Peter was free to return to Aaron, and that's just what he did. Sailed over and set up his blacksmith's hut more or less in the same position where the old cottage had been, just below Glen Rosa. And all accepted him there, and he did a good trade as a blacksmith, but being back in that beloved scenery only made this matured Peter all the more melancholy. Every sight, every sound, every fragrance in the air a reminder of all he had lost so long ago. So at spare moments he would uh, go wandering up in the glen, remembering that long ago day when he had seen and lost the only woman he felt he ever could love. He would go so far as to clamber down under the shadowy arch of the bridge, stand there at the edge of the dark, foaming water, feeling his hands around the, the curving brickwork. But no, there was no, for example, no door that he could see. No point of exit Katrina could have used to disappear through all those years ago. So, as the light darkened over the glen, he would uh, wander back down the path, dreaming, 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 but never, ever, ever, uh, until, that is, one particular evening when he had lingered there in the glen even longer than was usual. It was getting quite dark, and he had to practically grope his way down the path when he saw. There. There. Could it be? No, surely not. But it looks so like. Could it be? Yes, yes, there on the slope. At the Glen Rosa water's far side. Wandering in the first pale blush of moonlight among rock and bog and heather, was it? Yes, could it be? Katrina? Was it her? Yes, yes, there it was, there she stepped, still in her bridal gown, its white satin and silken lace shining in the moon's glow. Katrina herself seemingly lost in her own dreams. Katrina! Katrina! Look, it's me! Katrina! He, 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 he leapt across the river, splashing, spl 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 splashing brr, brr, through the c c c c cold water and hardly c c c c caring. Brr, brr, splash, splash, splash. Then scrambling, scrambling, scrambling up towards her as she slowly, slowly turned her head and looked sadly at him from beneath her bridal headdress. Sadly? Oh, yes. Yes, sadly indeed, her wide dark eyes shining with a hint of tears. Even so, he he declared upon upon reaching her, why, why, Katrina, it's it's you. Yes, it is you. After all these years, it's you. And why, why, look at you, look at you. You've hardly aged at all. Why, you look as as young and beautiful as on that long ago day when I lost you. But 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 how can that be? I mean, I mean, look at me. Look at my hair turning grey. Look at these scars and scotches and my wrinkling face and the spitting and sparking of my forge. Stripped at the shoulders as I am from all those long hard years of hammering stubborn metal. But you, Katrina, with you it's as if, as if barely a day has gone by. Barely a day, Peter, said she. Oh, Oh, more than that has gone by. 
And if there's no ageing to my face, there's much ageing in my heart, in my spirit, in my soul, more ageing than there is even to this, this gown here. Look! And he followed the turn of her sad eyes down across the folds of her gown to the, the ripped train they dragged behind. And he could see that in many places the tattered white fabric was uh, even more torn and it was, it was, it was blotched, blotched with patches of, uh, of weeping green moss. But, but Katrina, where, where have you been all this time? He asked her, where did you vanish that day when you hid beneath the bridge all those years ago? Oh, Peter, she said, beneath the bridge, I'm afraid, is, is where I went. But, oh, I, I shouldn't tell you any more for the sake of your own safety. It's my burden to bear. No, cried Peter, you will tell me. I will know because, Katrina, I love you still far more than I could love any other. And if, if you're in some bad, dangerous situation, if you're in some trouble, then it's for me to, to help you out of that trouble, whatever the risk might be. Tell me, tell me the truth. What happened to you? Oh, dear, she said. Oh, my dear, dear Peter, it wasn't your fault. You weren't to know that that bridge, like one or two others here on Arran, is a bogle's bridge. It's a, it, it, it's a, it, it's a, it's a what? A bridge, Peter, for the bogles, those most wicked of all the fairies. A bridge for them to make their way back and forth, back and forth, forth and back, forth and back between our upper world and their secret world below. Truth is, Peter. As I was huddling against the shadowed, arched wall that long ago day, a secret door swung open in the stonework, and a great bogle claw reached out, grabbed hold of me, dragged me through, then shut the door again. All this unseen and unheard by you mortal men squabbling up above. Ever since then, I've been trapped, trapped down there in the Bogle's underground kingdom. For the Bogle took me for his bride and he's been, well, frankly, an even worse and more uh, disgusting husband than rich Farmer McMocket would have been. After a few years down there, well, it's, it's hard to tell how many, for time passes very, very differently down there. The Bogle began to allow me occasionally, very, very occasionally on moonlit nights up into the upper world to wander for an hour or so in the moonlight when all the mortal men have normally gone from this lonely, lonely glen for, for, for exercise, fresh air. But always on condition I return to his kingdom when the hour is done. Or else, well, a bogle like him isn't a bogle to be getting on the wrong side of. Indeed, oh dear, my hour of freedom is almost up and... Wait! Wait, Peter! Wait! Look! Look! Look up there! Just above them, among the rocks on the side of the slope, loomed a great black dog with spiky fur and eyes and fangy mouth red as fire! It's him! It's him, said Katrina. 
That there is just one of the many, many devilish forms it can take. And now like a, like a sheepdog from hell, he means to herd me back through the door under the bridge. But there is no door under the bridge, protested Peter. I, I just look for myself. No door for a mortal man to find, alas. But the door is there all the same. And my fate is to go back through it before that black dog was creeping closer. So, so what, said Peter? I'm just to abandon you to the, to, to the clutches of a bogle and go back to my blacksmith's forge and forget all about you. Katrina, I haven't been able to forget you through these last 30 years. How can I forget you now? But you must, you must. Go away. The bogle's too dangerous. The bogle's too savage. The bogle's too fierce. Forget about me. Forget about me. Run away. Run away. Oh, there's still time. Run away. Wait. Wait. Wait, Peter. You said you're... You, you're what? You, you're a blacksmith. But... but but I thought all those years ago you were a, you, you were a farm boy. I well, 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 Katrina, it's a long story. I was a farm boy, but then we got evicted, and I had to go away to Kilmarnock and then Kilmarnock. But it's a long story. But uh, wait, wait, she said. Wait, you do know that blacksmiths work with the one element that has power over the powers of the fairy kingdom, the element of iron. I shouldn't be getting into to trouble, but it, it is possible, it is conceivable that if you could possibly, as a blacksmith, forge some implement of that metal and uh, stick it possibly in the brickwork down there. The black dog was coming very, very close, plainly very unhappy about Peter's being there. Katrina all but pushed him down the slope and out of the way. Go, go, Peter. Forget what I said. Forget what I said about you being a blacksmith, about, about, about the element of iron. Forget it all. Get away. Get away. Save yourself. Forget about me. Go. Forget you ever saw me. And already, Katrina was turning and hurrying, fast as the ripped train of her gown would allow, back towards the Bogle's Bridge. The devilish hound, fiercely and fiery, dogging her steps. Peter could see no choice but to hurry back down the glen. But no sooner was he back in his forge than, yes, 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 he, he lit the fire to a blaze. He had to do it, whatever the risk, lit the fire to a blaze and began making for himself. Yes, 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 he would do it. He would take the risk, a sharp spike of iron. Roaring and rolling the molten metal. Hammering it into shape on his anvil, then cooling it in a bucket of water. Then, though it was getting near midnight, he had to do it, he had to take the risk. He was hurrying, hurrying, hurrying up back up the darkened glen, back up towards there it was, there it was in the shadows of the moonlight, the Bogle's Bridge. He um yes, yes, crept down under the bridge's shadowy arch onto the narrow shelf of damp rock and turf between the bridge and the roaring, foaming, pitch-black waters. He took a breath, groped about for the biggest gap he could find between the, the corners of the ancient mouldy bricks and then... Here goes... Clanging, 
he shoved the end of the iron spike into the gap in the brickwork and... For the longest moment, nothing happened. Nothing moved, nothing was heard but for the echo. Of the, the striking of the iron spike echoing up the mountain sides around. But then, then, slowly and then more swiftly, quietly and then more loudly. A door, a concealed door in the brickwork began. Through the gap that was opened, all he could see was a darkness. Darkness, a deepened, ugh, evil, stinking darkness just beyond. Dared to go through. For Katrina's sake, he had to, whatever the risk. So he took another breath. Dragged out the iron spike. And then, and then, no choice. For Katrina, he... Hurried through the door, grinding shut at his back. Drip, drip, drip. Squelch, squelch, squelch. Drip, squelch, drip, squelch, drip, drip, squelch, squelch. He advanced. A couple of steps, a couple of muddy, squelchy steps through that foul and dripping darkness before. Ah! Ah! And to find out what happened to him next, that's if he, he, he survived at all the, the scary thing that you've just heard. Well... You'll have to tune in next week, same time, same place, here on Aaron Sound, to hear the second and final chapter, which I call The Bogle's Bridge. Well, folks, I did warn you about the suspense bit, but please join me next week, here on Aaron Sound, for the conclusion of this particular winter's tale.